0: church. I hope you guys are having a great morning. If you will, go ahead and turn to Acts 20. Acts 20 We're going to go ahead and read starting in verse 17, and then we're going to read a section of scripture here to finish it out. And then I'm going to really concentrate just on one verse today. So it's really a powerful verse, and I think it's going to be something that hopefully you're going to learn from. And what's only God can do this is orchestrate the Sunday. We plan out all our 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 messages in advance but sometimes we have to make some changes here and there and we made some adjustments and it just happened to be on the sunday that we're doing the lord's supper and you're going to see how this verse applies to what we're going to be doing today in celebration of that verse 17 now from malthus he sent to ephesus and called the elders of the church to come him to come to him and when they came to him he said to them You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is, a pre- nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course And the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay attention. Pay careful attention to yourself. And to all the flocks in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We're going to be coming back to that in just a minute. And I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease day, night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified, and I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were uh, with me, and in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now He Himself said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." It's a great time, the season, to remember that. And when He had said these things, He knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the parts of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most, of the, most all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. They accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Uh, God, thank you for this passage in, in Acts 20. God, it's a powerful scene of deep emotion and heartache. Paul had spent three years with these people laboring for the gospel seeing people saved and being born again and their lives being transformed and facing trials and tribulations, those who would come in and try to teach false teachings to get people to divert from the true gospel, which were saved by grace through faith that is not of ourselves. And God, I pray that as we see the, the warning about guarding ourselves because of the church that was bought by your blood, God, we will remember today what you've done for us. God, it would spur, as Kenny said earlier, towards love and good deeds. It would spur us to, to be accountable to each other, to make our lives a living sacrifice unto you. God, that we would pour out, as Paul said, as a drink offering, not holding anything back. And if our, house is, if our life is a house, God, every room would be penetrated with your spirit. God, we would not allow any closet, any foyer, any bedroom, any nook or crevice to not be saturated by you and your Holy Spirit. God, would you do what only you can do today, and that's ultimately to eternally change hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell a story um, about a a gentleman named Nicholas Zinzendorf. Um, Some of you guys may know him as the bishop, the father of the Moravian prayer movement. They had a a prayer movement that literally lasted, that he started for over 100 years, 24-7, 365 days for 100 years. Think about that for a moment. And out of that, birthed an incredible movement of God and, and missionaries. So I want to tell you a little bit about him. He was born of Australian nobility and raised by his grandmother, he showed an early inclination toward theology and religious works. But as a godson of P.J. Spinner, he was raised in a strong pietist tradition. But also as a count, or if you will, a noble person, he was also expected to follow his late father's footsteps in government. And he did exactly what he was told to do. So in 1721, he was born in 1700, he became the king's judicial counselor at Dresden, Germany. And this lasted for about a year. And after uh, Zinzendorf had finished university, he took a trip throughout Europe looking at some of the cultural hotspots. And something very unexpected happened while he was there. He went to an art museum in Drusseldorf, and he saw this painting by Domenico Fidi called Ecli Homo, which means Behold the Man. This is the same translation they use in the Vulgate in the New Testament when Pontius Pilate introduced Jesus before the crowd. In this painting, it was a portrait of Christ with crown of thorns pressed on his head and blood running down his face. I may have a a picture of something very similar to that interesting in the photo or in the portrait is that you see people of different ethnic backgrounds. See, it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't just one people. It was all people. It was our sin that he bore on that cross that day. And in, in that moment when he saw this portrait and he saw the face of his Savior Jesus and the blood running down his face, there was a caption below and it says, I have done this for you. What have you done for me? And that moment, Zinzendorf had a utterly life-changing moment. When he stood there and he, he realized for the first time he was thinking that his Savior suffered and bled. And he said, I'd loved Jesus for a long time, but I'd actually never done anything for him. See, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. I want to ask you a question this morning. As Zinzendorf asked himself, when you get up each morning, are you saying, I am not my own today? I belong to another. I've been bought with a price. I will live every moment of this day for the great purchaser of my soul who will receive the full reward of his suffering." The big idea this morning that I want to share with you is this idea that Jesus purchased you with his blood. Jesus purchased you with his blood. What was amazing about Zinzidor's life is he began to he purchased the land that his his grandmother owned and he began a, a community of believers that were really running from persecution all across the world. And as they begin this movement, a big thrust of it was prayer, and a big thrust of it was mission-oriented. In fact, we see that they really became the fathers, if you will, of the modern mission movement. A lot of people contributed to William Carey, which didn't happen to 60 years later, but these community of believers, they sent missionaries everywhere, Greenland, Romania, North Americans, Algeria, Amsterdam, South Africa, and Guinea coast. They sent him all over. And by the end of his life, over 226 missionaries were birthed out of this movement. And it seems only about 600 people, 226, received the call to go. And what's amazing about it is many places they went, More than three-quarters of them were killed for the sake of the gospel. You know, as we talk about who we want to be as a church, we believe that prayer has to absolutely be the center of what we do because there's no way that hearts and minds can change apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're praying... For each of you, we're praying for our county. We're praying for our community where we live, work, and play. And we're praying that we will have a mission mindset to understand that the mission is not just to build community, but it's to go outside these walls and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want to unpack this understanding of what it means to be purchased by the blood of Jesus. And it has many implications this morning, but I want to highlight three. The first one is this, this idea of the the cleansing and the beautifying of his people. We see this in, in verse 32, where he says this. He says, and now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's that working out that cleansing. In fact, we see this also in the book of Ephesians. We see where if uh, Paul is talking about this understanding of how it's just as in marriage, the, the marriage of Jesus and his church, the bride. is this cleansing and the beautification. It says here, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Think about that, men. I shared with the men of valor just a week or so ago about this understanding that our main responsibility in life is, has had intimacy with the Father. And so out of that intimacy is an overflow of how we live life. And this is what Paul is reminding us of, that we might be sanctified her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 26 says to sanctify the church, the holiness of his people will be his reward. Verse 27 says to present her to himself splendor without spot or wrinkle. So his reward will be the beauty of his bride as will be the splendor and glorious at the marriage feast of the Lamb. So I ask you, before we take the sacred cup this morning, are you striving with all your might to render to Jesus the reward of his suffering? To offer up to him what he has purchased, which is you. See, that idea of purchase or that idea to obtain, some of your translations may say, is to, to bring to yourself, to make your own. It's that that picture of a husband and wife, that intimacy, the closest of intimacy that anyone can ever know, the intimacy with us and our Father, the purchaser of our soul, Jesus Christ. Is your heart in tune with his heart? His heart that considers your holiness something worth dying for? Are you putting the same price on your holiness that he did? Or do you neglect that what he died for, what he purchased? See, first the reward of Christ's suffering is the holiness of his people. He suffered, he bled, he died to obtain a people to make that people holy, to make his bride cleanse, clean and beautiful. Your holiness, your spiritual beauty is a reward of his suffering. In the purchase of his blood. And he will have it from all those who are truly his. The second thing I want to highlight about the idea of being purchased by Jesus' blood is this. He purchased you for for the passion for his people to do good deeds. He wants you to have a passion to do good for others. We see this in verse 34 in that same text where it goes on to say, and you yourselves know that these hands have ministered to the necessities and to those who were with me, right? And it goes on to say, remembering that thing that Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. See, the second reward of Christ's suffering is his zeal for his people for good deeds. Titus 2.14 Says this, who Jesus gave himself up for us to redeem us from all the lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who, listen, who are zealous for good works. He gave himself up to make a people zealous for good deeds. He shed his blood to purchase your your earnestness for practical righteousness and mercy, for benevolence and kindness, for courage and compassion. He did not die merely, listen, he did not die merely to get you to stop doing bad things, nor did he die merely to get you to do some good things. He died to make you zealous for good deeds, to be compassionate for others, to wanting to help others. He suffered and bled and died to give you a zeal for doing good. (laughs) And not just to do good when they do what you want them to do. Or they respond how you want them to respond. Or they act how you want them to act. See, anyone, the world can love those who love them, right? The real test is, is this idea of loving those people that are hard to love. Loving those people, as the scriptures describe, even loving our enemies. What did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand why I'm dying. Would you forgive them? Would you open their eyes? He suffered and he bled and he died to make you, A zeal for doing good. Do you have a zeal for doing good to people? I mean, eternal good through their salvation. And a temporal good as a means to that end. What does it mean that Christ gave himself an agonizing pain to make you zealous for good deeds? If you are taking no steps to become zealous for good works. The zeal of those early Moravian missionaries... Was unquenchable. I think the reason that it we never forget about the blood of Jesus, they kept it before them. They never stopped thinking: my life, my holiness, my zeal for good of souls was purchased at the price of Jesus' blood. How can I not live for his honor with every breath I take? How can I not freely give up to him what he's purchased with his blood? your zeal for the good of people is the reward of his suffering. Let me ask you, are you with him or against him in his suffering? Are you for the good of others? The third thing I want to highlight today, why and the purpose of Jesus' blood purchasing us is this, as a ransom church, for every people group. We see at the beginning of this text, up in verses 20, 21, he says this, and how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching in public and from house to house, testifying both the Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We see this beautiful verse in Revelation Five, nine, which says this, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language and people and nation. Our goal and life should be to live out a life sold out for the gospel, sold out for Jesus. And as we go about doing good for others with the purpose of seeing their, their life redeemed, shedding light on the gospel, we should not be deterred by any skin color, by any cultural background, by any uh, social, economical background, We should pursue all people with the same passion. See, the final reward of Christ's suffering is a ransomed church where every tongue, every language, every tribe, every nation, every skin color is represented. And by his blood, says he was ransomed. Persons from every people group in every world, every tribe, every language, every group, every ethnicity, Anywhere there's pockets of people, we need to be reaching them for the gospel. The reward of his suffering is a gathering from all peoples of the world that find that the response in faith to Jesus. In other words, the blood of Jesus was shed not just to purchase your holiness and your zeal for good deeds, but but the holiness and good deeds of all the worldwide church of God, including sheep that are not yet in his fold. Before the foundations of the earth, we know that Jesus laid down his life. So, does your heart beat for what the Savior's heart beats with today? That you want to see every tongue and every tribe and every nation reach for the sake of the gospel? When We come to the Lord's table in just a few moments with the cup and the bread, proclaiming his death. Will you be able to say to him with a clear conscience, there's nothing I want more in my life than what you bled to obtain? There's no reward in my life that I want more than the reward of your suffering. If you look at your life and come up wanting, as we all will, do not forget this, the reward of his suffering is also for several other things. One is this, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1.7 says this, In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And we're justified by that through faith. Romans 5.9 says this, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And our reconciliation, our intimacy, our oneness with the Father again. Understanding Romans 5.10 says this, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And also the fact that we have a c- cleansing of our conscience, Hebrews 9.14. How much more Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purified our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And then ultimately this idea of final victory over Satan. See, we're, we're in this state right now from D-Day to V-Day. The minute in World War II that allies were able to take D-Day and take that beachfront they knew it was just a matter of time till v-day and we in a kingdom that has come but is coming jesus has defeated satan but the ultimate ultimate defeat will be that at the end of time and it says right here in revelation 12 11, it says this and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony today you understand as we take the Lord's Supper that you were purchased by the blood of the Lamb for the purpose of being holy, being cleansed and beautified as a people, as a bride. And the fact that to have passion to do good to others, not for the sake uh, solely of doing good, but the idea that it will draw attention to the gospel and someone may put their faith And be redeemed. And then ultimately this idea that every people of every tongue, of every tribe, of every nation will be redeemed and bought back. It's this idea of of bringing us back to what God created us to be. And that is in perfect union with him. And listen, you can't do that on your own. If you're here today, you need to understand you can't clean yourself up. In fact, Isaiah 64, 6 says this, All our good works are like filthy rags. Don't want to be disgusting in any way, but it literally means it's like minstrel rags. In other words, it does nothing to clean us up. The more we try to clean ourselves up by doing good just shows our pride and our arrogance that we're trying to find a way apart from the provision that God has provided for us. So today, my my ultimate desire for you is to put faith in Jesus. Listen, stop trying to clean yourself up. God does that. And when you surrender him, it's this day by day, moment by moment, that sanctifying that God works out with the sole purpose. Listen, to understand that your main goal in life is to have the intimacy with the Father. And all these things overflow because of the purchased, you were purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We stand. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I just pray as we take the Lord's Supper today that everyone here will understand that this Lord's Supper is not about membership of this church. It's about knowing you. And if there's anyone here today that knows you and has faith in in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They're free to, to take this time of the Lord's Supper, representing the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Remembering salvation is by grace through faith, it's not of ourselves. God, I pray that, again, if there's anyone here this morning that has not put faith and when that time comes when we're able to share and celebrate with anyone who's made a decision, God, that they will make that known. But God, most of all, they will get things right with you. Put faith in you. And God, I pray that someone will be born again today. And God, if, if it's some reason that we've lost track of the fact that we were purchased by your blood and that our, our focus and our aim should be on that and that alone. Not that these things in this world um, don't matter, but all matter for the sake of the gospel. God, we, we know we have to live, we have to work, we have to um, have jobs and be in homes and drive vehicles, all those things. But God, let everything we do with the whole sole purpose, God, of reaching others for the sake of the gospel. Now that we need you, God, would you be with us during this time? In Jesus' name.